This podcast is brought to you by The City Church in Mississauga, Ontario. For more information, please visit thecitychurch.ca. Just a great, great atmosphere. Uh, What we sometimes say, a great spirit in the house. So why don't we stand up and let's pray as we get ready to jump into things here. Father, in Jesus' name, we're thankful for you and thankful for your love and your compassion and your mercy for our lives. And Lord, we thank you that you have brought us into your family. You've made us your own and you've accepted us through Jesus Christ. And Lord, it's so good to be a part of your family today. And we thank you, Lord, for your word. And we thank you for the hope and the strength and the faith and the confidence and the peace that comes when you speak to our hearts. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit who will help us to understand and perceive and to grasp Uh, the power of all that you have for us today. We thank you for open ears and open hearts and believing hearts to receive your word in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You can go ahead and be seated. Uh, Before we jump into the message, I did want to show you just a couple quick pictures. Um, We have a, a picture here of our books. And we have eight books now that are in publication. And I think we have seven of them outside in the foyer. So uh, the newest one is on the lower right-hand corner. It's, it's new since I was here last. It's called Lift, Experiencing the Elevated Life. And that's pretty much what I'm going to be sharing some with you today. Because I am convinced and persuaded that God wants us to live higher And Jesus didn't come. How many of you know there was a time when we were down? Uh, We've been way down in life at times. But Jesus didn't come to put us down or to keep us down. He came to bring us up and to give us new life. And and there's a new life to walk in. And that's what that book is about. But we have a second picture here of these books, same books, in um, English on the right. But the stack we're really excited about is on the left. And those are just some of our translations in other languages, um, Russian, German, Greek, French, Spanish, uh, Portuguese, Arabic, I'm probably Indonesian down at the bottom. And we have several others that are in other translations that are not pictured here. Um, I just got back from Greece a few weeks ago and I picked up a new one of our books in Greece. I was also preaching in Malta just a few weeks ago. And um, had I stayed longer, I would have gotten one of our books in the Maltese language, but it wasn't quite out yet. And we've got um, our Grace book going into Chinese right now. So uh, we're just excited about kind of a proliferation. And God said that he was going to cover the whole earth with the knowledge of himself. And so we want to be a part of that. So at any rate, I want to talk with you this morning about resurrection life. And when we talk about resurrection, people typically think of two things. The first thing they think of is what happened on Easter, what we celebrate on Easter, which is uh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, you know, we say that almost flippantly. We take it for granted. But aren't you thankful that Jesus was raised from the dead? Uh, I mean, of all the different faiths and belief systems and philosophies in the world, you know, different groups could say to us, uh, people who have different beliefs could say to us, well, you know, um, you know, your founder gave you a holy book. Well, our founder gave us a holy book. 
and your founder has a large following. Well, our founder has a large following. And your founder, uh, your, your founder's followers meet in buildings to worship. Well, our founder's followers meet in buildings to worship. They can, you know, proclaim equivalence on so many levels. But at some point in the conversation, we can lovingly and respectfully say, you know, well, all that may be true, but our founder was raised from the dead. And at that point, there's no more equivalence. Um, Jesus being raised from the dead is the greatest thing that has ever happened. And when Jesus was raised from the dead, um, you know, I mean, there's so much we could say and teach about that. But I love it when Jesus in Luke chapter 24 appears to his disciples, the same ones that had seen him crucified just a few days before. And Jesus appears to his disciples and the Bible says they were terrified uh, they were af- they were afraid, and the Bible says they thought they were seeing a spirit. They thought this is a ghost, and Jesus said, "Look, you know, don't be afraid." Uh, he said, and and he said, "Here's my hands. You can you can touch my hands, and you can see my feet." He, he said, "A spirit or a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have." And then Jesus asked them a question. He said, do you have anything to eat? Jesus knew that Christians never got together without food. And so they said, well, yes, we have a fish here, some fish and a honeycomb. And Jesus took it and ate the the fish and the honeycomb, physically ate it in their presence because Jesus wanted them to know beyond any shadow of any doubt that his resurrection was a literal, physical resurrection. It wasn't, it wasn't just some metaphorical, you know, spiritualized thing. Jesus was physically raised from the dead. It was a literal, physical resurrection. And that is the basis for our hope today. I'm telling you, if Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, the Bible says, basically, I'm paraphrasing, but our faith is a joke. If Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, then nothing else is true, and um, our faith is in vain. Our sins are still, you know, over our lives. Uh, If Jesus was not raised from the dead, then none of this means anything. But the fact of the matter is, Jesus is alive, and because He is alive, He he has conquered death, He has conquered sin. That's what His resurrection means to us. Jesus has conquered death and conquered sin, and because Jesus lives, we can live also. That's the hope of the gospel. So there's the resurrection of Jesus Christ that is the basis of our faith. But then also when we hear the word resurrection, many people think also of the future resurrection of believers. Uh, Most Christians know that Jesus was raised from the dead. If he wasn't raised from the dead, there is no Christianity. But, But Christians a lot of times don't think about the fact that our physical bodies are going to be raised from the dead also. The Bible teaches that when Jesus returns, that and the Bible uses this terminology, this corruptible shall put on incorruption and this mortal shall put on immortality. The Bible says that when Jesus returns, he's going to transform our weak mortal bodies into glorious bodies like his own. 
And so Christianity really stands on two massive pillars. Both of them have to do with resurrection, Jesus being raised from the dead in the past, and then us being raised from the dead in the future. His resurrection is the prototype of our resurrection. So I want you to know we're not going to go through eternity like little wisps of smoke, you know, like we think of a ghost or something, just kind of a vapor type thing. We're going to be raised from the dead physically, and we will go through eternity with the Lord in in spirit, soul, and in a resurrected, glorified body. But what I really want to talk to you today about is um, what does that mean today? Uh, There's a resurrection in the past, and there's a resurrection in the future. But what I want to know today is, is there some resurrection benefit today? Is there benefit in my personal life today from that past resurrection? And is there benefit today from that future resurrection? And I believe there is. How many of you have ever heard of Fukushima? Anybody know what Fukushima means? Fukushima is um, a place in Japan where a few years ago they had that big earthquake off the coast and a tsunami came on shore and it hit a nuclear plant um, in Fukushima, Japan, and it caused a nuclear meltdown of that facility. And there was all kinds of radioactivity into the atmosphere because the thing got flooded by all the salt water. It carried some of the radioactivity out into the ocean. And just last year, on the west coast of Canada and on the west coast of the United States, scientists were picking up. This thing happened in 2011. But last year, scientists on the west coast of Canada and the U.S. were picking up radioactivity on on the coast of our continent uh, that was from, it had just gradually migrated in the Pacific Ocean over. Now, they're saying very trace amounts, nothing to be alarmed about. But here's what I want you to understand. That radioactivity has a half-life. And, and, and there was still radioactivity that was coming from that incident that happened several years ago. Well, I want you to know when Jesus was raised from the dead, way more power was released than was released in that nuclear incident in Japan. And just like that nuclear material, that radioactivity had been coming across the ocean all those years and still had life in it when it got to the west coast of our continent, uh, Jesus' resurrection released a certain resurrection power that is still flowing and is still influencing lives today. I believe there is a strength and and a joy and a power that comes from Jesus' resurrection that can influence my day-to-day life, my day-to-day walk. See, I don't believe that Jesus died to make bad men better. I believe He died to make dead men live. And I don't believe that Jesus came so that we could have a religious life. I believe that Jesus came so that we could experience resurrection life. 
that the very power that raised Jesus from the dead is, is present and available to us today to empower us and to change us and to give us new life to actually live, listen to this, to live a resurrection lifestyle while we're waiting for the resurrection. In other words, I understand I don't have my resurrection body yet. Do you ever look in the mirror and wish you could get your resurrection body now? Uh, there's going to be a day when we're going to get body 2.0, all right? This mortal shall put on immortality. This corruptible shall put on incorruption. But while I'm waiting for the resurrection of my body, there is still power flowing from Jesus' resurrection to impact and influence my life in the here and the now. Look with me, if you would, to Romans chapter 6, verse 4. I was really pleased to hear about the fact that you guys are having a baptism service next week. Water baptism is such a powerful statement. Um, you know, it's taught consistently through the New Testament, and, and Jesus, you know, commanded it as, as a part of following Him. And in Romans chapter 6, verse 4, it says, Therefore... We were buried with him through baptism into death. Notice this, buried with him through baptism. Now, you saw a little bit of video or a still picture, I can't remember which it was, of a person coming up out of the water. And have you ever stopped to think about the, the symbolism and the language of what is being communicated in baptism? Uh, a person stands, and where is that, Pastor Brent? It's somewhere... Right, okay, right back there. I think I see the, the trap door. I'll stay away from it. Um, but, uh, you know, the person stands in that, you know, thing of water and somebody comes up to them and, you know, kind of takes them and puts... See, I was a lifeguard for three summers and I used to blow my whistle. We called it dunking. If somebody came up to somebody and grabbed them and threw them under the water, we tell them to stop it. You know, because you're not supposed to do that in the swimming pool. But here at church, we do it on purpose. And people line up to get that done to them. But see, here, it's not just, you know, goofing around like it is at a swimming pool or, you know, trying to, you know, surprise somebody. Here, it's intentional and deliberate. When, when the person, uh, you know, takes the individual and, and lowers them, puts their body under the water... That is symbolizing death and burial. We were buried with Jesus in baptism. And notice what it says, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. When, when the person brings you up out of the water, uh, that's symbolizing resurrection. And so for the person who submits himself or herself voluntarily to baptism, don't be afraid. Nobody's going to come out and grab you in the congregation, drag you up and throw you in the water. But when you voluntarily submit to baptism, what you're doing is you're making a public declaration that Jesus died and I am sharing in his death. Aren't you glad to be a partaker of the benefits of the death of Jesus Christ? Because he died, our sins were taken away. And so when we submit to baptism, we are making a public declaration that I am united with Jesus in his death. 
In other words, I partake of the benefits of the death of Christ. And then when you are brought up out of the water, you're declaring, and just as Jesus was raised from the dead, I have been raised from the dead. Spirit, how many of you know the Bible says we were dead in our trespasses and sins? Our sin caused spiritual separation from God. But when we are united with Christ in His death, in His burial, then we also get to be united with Christ in His resurrection. And so we partake not only of the benefit of Jesus' death, but we also partake of the benefit of Jesus' resurrection. Paul said in Ephesians 2, we were dead in our trespasses and sins, but we have been quickened. That means made alive. We have been made alive together with Christ. We have been raised with Christ, and we've even been made to sit together in heavenly places. In other words, we've been given a status. We've been given a position, really, of royalty to rule and reign with Christ. And and when we come up out of the water, what we're saying is nothing gets to follow me out of the water. My sins are buried in that water with Christ. Isn't that awesome? Now, that doesn't mean when you get baptized that you're perfect and you'll never make another mistake. But I love what this says in Romans chapter 6, verse 4. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk. Everybody say walk. Say it again, walk. That we should walk in newness of life. See, our journey through life, is it, it is a walk. We walk with God every step, every day, uh, one step after another. We're walking with God. But notice, what kind of life do we get to walk in? Newness of life. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we get to walk in a brand new life. Now, in Philippians chapter 3... Uh, verse 10, Paul talks about three things that he wants to know. Uh, First of all, he says, I want to know Christ. And when he says, I want to know Christ, the idea is not just intellectual information, but he's saying, I want to know him in a personal way. I want to know Jesus. And, and the implication also there is it's progressive. You not only get to know Jesus personally, but you get to know Him better each and every day. We get to know more about Jesus today than we knew about Him yesterday. It, it's progressive growth. And then Paul says this in Philippians 3.10. He says, I not only want to know Christ but I want to know the power of His resurrection. Isn't that something? See, we don't have to wait until the resurrection before we can begin to partake of resurrection life and resurrection power. When we identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus 2,000 years ago, we get to walk in newness of life now And it should just get better and better until that day when Jesus returns. And then this resurrection lifestyle that we're living in uh, is going to be consummated to the point where we even get a brand new, transformed, glorified body 
to walk in. So right now, my spirit has been born again. My mind is getting renewed. And in the future, I'm going to get a transformed, glorified body. I'll tell you, God has an amazing plan for the Christian. So Paul said, I want to know him. I want to know the power of his resurrection. And then he also says in in Philippians chapter 3 verse 10, I want to know and share in his sufferings being conformed to his death. Now that's a whole nother lesson in and of itself. But see, we we do not only partake in the life of Jesus, but we also get to partake in the death of Jesus. Jesus died for some things and he died to some things and we get to die to the things that Jesus died to. You know, for example, Jesus died to a self-willed life. He said, not my will, but your will be done. We get to share in the death of Christ. The things that Jesus died to, we get to die to also. The things that he died for, our sins, in other words, we get to have the benefit of that. So Paul said three things. Number one, I want to know Christ. Number two, I want to know the power of the resurrection. And number three, I want to know his sufferings being conformed to his death. And then Philippians chapter 3 verse 11 in the Amplified Bible. We're going to look at this together. Philippians chapter 3 verse 11. Paul says this, that if possible, I may attain to the spiritual and moral resurrection that lifts me out from among the dead even while in the body. Look at that very closely. Think about what Paul is saying. That if possible, I may attain to the... Now, what kind of resurrection is he talking about here? He's talking about a spiritual and a moral resurrection. There's not just one... You know, there is the resurrection of the body. And thank God for that. But I I like what one person said. I want a little bit of resurrection while I'm waiting for the resurrection. And how many of you know that's perfectly biblical because in baptism we're identified with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection so that we can walk in newness of life. So I don't have to wait until the ultimate resurrection when I get a new glorified body to have some resurrection life working in me. Uh, Paul said that if possible, I may attain to the spiritual and moral resurrection that lifts me out from among the dead even while I'm in the body. Think about that. Do you know that we live in, in a world, I'm just talking about the world system as a whole, that is full of death? Think about the world system, how much negativity there is. Think about the, the um, despair. Uh, think about the, the condemnation that is in the world. Think about the guilt and the shame. Uh, think about the, um, you know, environments that people live in where there's all kinds of, you know, horrible things being said to people and about people. Here's what I'm saying. There is so much in this world that just wants to drag you down and pull you down. All the fear, 
all the negativity, all the sin, all the accusations, all the condemnation. We live in a world that is filled with spiritual death. But Paul said that that he was aspiring to attain to a spiritual and a moral resurrection that would lift him out from among the dead even while he was still in his body. Isn't that something? See, you and I, because of our connection with Jesus, we get to partake of his life. And the world is full of all the negativity, all the pessimism, all the fear, all the shame, all the guilt, all the condemnation. But there is a spiritual and a moral resurrection that lifts us out from among the dead. Here's what I'm saying. You don't have to think like the world thinks. You don't have to fear like the world fears. You don't have to be condemned and, and, and full of shame and, and different things. You don't have to have the, the ugliness on the inside of you that we so often see in the world because we have the greater one on the inside of us. Greater is he that is living in us than he that's in the world. You know, Jesus told Mary and Martha, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Yes, the resurrection is something that happened to Jesus. The resurrection is something that will happen to us in the future. But Jesus himself is the resurrection and the life. So if you have a relationship with Jesus, if you are connected with Jesus, he said, I am the resurrection. So what happens when, when you face a situation that appears hopeless? What happens when you face a situation that appears like this is going to be the end of you? Jesus is the resurrection. He's able to turn impossible situations around. He's able to, to give you hope where all hope has been destroyed. He's able to give you an you know opportunities and, and things of that nature to, to give you life when everything around you speaks of death. Paul said that he wanted to attain to the spiritual and moral resurrection that lifted him out from among the dead even while he was still in his body. I want to look at a couple of other verses here, Philippians 3.13. We're going to switch to the New King James Version here. Paul says, Brethren, I don't count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press. Everybody say press. I press. That means that Paul was focused and he was exerting effort. He had a goal. He had something that he was striving toward and shooting toward. I press toward the goal for the prize of what? Of the upward call. Everybody say the upward call. He said the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, stop and think about everything that Paul is saying here. He's, he's speaking in the context of, of wanting to experience. We know that there's the ultimate resurrection. And he actually talks about that at the end of the chapter. There's this ultimate resurrection that he talks about later in verses 20 and 21 where our weak and mortal bodies are going to be transformed. 
But, but he talked in verse 11 about a spiritual and a moral resurrection. The resurrection isn't just for our bodies in the future. It's, it's for other parts of who we are in the here and the now. Paul's talking about attaining to a spiritual and a moral resurrection that lifts me out from among the dead even while I'm in my body. And then he says, I don't count myself to have apprehended. Now, Paul's talking about a, a pretty high level of spiritual development where we're actually walking in resurrection life and resurrection power. And he says, I haven't apprehended it yet. How many of you, let me ask you this question, are still growing? How many of you still have room for improvement? Um, I think we can say as believers, you know, thank God that we're not what we used to be, but we're not yet everything that we're going to be. Even Paul, as advanced as he was, as mature as he was, as much insight as he had, he said, I haven't, I haven't apprehended yet, meaning I haven't reached the place of absolute perfection. I think Paul would have said that he was walking in the life of God to a degree. How many of you, to a degree, are walking in the life of God? How many of you, to a degree, are walking in the love of God? You know, Pastor Brent was sharing with me what he's been teaching from Second Peter chapter 1. And I love that, all those attributes and, you know, add to your faith, um, you know, all these things. And let me ask you this. How many of you are doing all of that perfectly? But how many of you are doing it to a degree? How many of you, you've, you have some progress, you have some growth, you have some development in those areas, but we've all got room to grow, right? How many of us can say this, God loves me just the way I am, but he loves me too much to let me stay this way? I don't know about you, but I want to always be progressing. I always want to be advancing in, in the character, in the life, and in the nature of God. Paul said, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the pride, the goal for the prize of the upward. Everybody say upward. What is this upward call of God? Does that just mean that when we die, God's going to call us up to heaven? Is that all that means? Well, if that's what that means, that's great. How many of you want to go to heaven when you die? You know, but I think there's more to this upward call. I think God's calling me upward today. I think he's calling me higher today than I was last week. I think he's calling me. What is Paul talking about? He's talking about forgetting what's behind. How many of you have some stuff behind that you're just real glad to forget? I'm forgetting what's behind. And he said, I'm reaching forward to what's ahead. What, what's ahead of you is better than what's behind you. God's future for you is always preferred. Uh, because we understand that as we walk with God, as we grow in obedience, as we grow in faith, as we grow in humility, all these different attributes that Pastor Brent's been talking about, how many of you know it gets better? It gets better. 
So we forget what's behind, but we reach forward to what's ahead. And then Paul says, I press toward the upward call. Did you know that when you forget the past and you reach forward to what's ahead, God always takes you up a higher level? Your, your marriages can go higher. Your peace can go higher. Your finances can go higher. Your relationships can go higher. Favor from God in your life can go higher. Let's stop and think about the guy who's saying this, the Apostle Paul. Did you know that Paul had some really nasty stuff in his life to forget? How many of you know what Paul did before he became a preacher? He was a persecutor. Did you know that by basic definitions today, that before Saul of Tarsus, the one who became Paul the Apostle, did you know that before he got saved, he basically fit the definition of a terrorist? Did you stop and think about that? He was terrorizing Christians. He was throwing Christians in jail. He implies that there may have been, even, he may have been involved in some torture type situations. Um, he, he, we know he participated in the murder of at least one Christian preacher. Paul said, I, I'm, the, I'm the greatest of all sinners. He said, I persecuted the church of God. How many of you know Paul could have been dogged and, and plagued by guilt his whole life? But what did Paul have to do? He had to forget what was behind. He knew he understood the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Aren't you thankful for God's forgiveness? He understood the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. But you know what? The hardest thing I think Paul had to do was to forgive himself. And, and what did he do when he said, I'm forgetting those things which are behind? I've always found it interesting that Paul said he was forgetting what was behind when every time he shared his testimony, he said what he did. Is that a contradiction? Paul said, I'm forgetting the things that are behind. But then every time he shared his story, he talked about what he did. Can I share with you something? Forgetting biblically is not the same as amnesia. Forgetting biblically. See, we tell people, forget your past. You know, in one sense, forgetting does not mean mental amnesia. It doesn't mean the inability to uh, recall certain facts and information. All right? Our brain wasn't designed to forget in that sense. Biblically, forgetting doesn't mean that you don't know about it. It means that it no longer has any power over you. You're aware of the information, but, but it has no power to oppress you. It has no power to flood your life with guilt, with shame, with condemnation. You intellectually recall the information, but it doesn't own you anymore. It doesn't define you anymore. It, it is not the basis for your identification, your identity anymore. Uh, you're, you, you are not defined by your past. You are not dominated by your past. It doesn't dictate your future. Forgetting means really that you throw it in the past. You let it be the past. It doesn't own you today. You know what it is, but it doesn't own you anymore. And, and you have a new identity. You have a new destiny. You have a new Savior. Uh, you, ha you have new purpose. 
and you're, you're able to live free, totally free from the past. Now, Paul, we're talking about forgetting what's behind and reaching forward to what's ahead so that we can get into this upward call so our life can be on a higher level, a higher plane. But let me just close with this, just mentioning real quickly somebody else who had to forget the past, and that's Joseph. How many of you remember the story of Joseph? It's one of the most amazing, intriguing stories of Scripture. Here's a young man who has a whole bunch of older brothers, and his father just favors him. His father shows favoritism toward Joseph, and his brothers are so jealous that they are filled with hate and, you know, envy toward him. And so they thought about murdering him, but instead of murdering him, you know what they did? They sold him into slavery. How how hurtful, how, how emotionally devastating would it be to be thrown into a pit and you hear your brothers talking about how much they hate you and they're just waiting for a caravan to come by so they can sell you as a slave to be taken into another country. I mean, if anybody ever had a reason to feel hurt and betrayed and resentful and bitter and rejected, it was Joseph. But he was sold into slavery. And when he became a slave in Egypt working for a a military leader named Potiphar... I don't know what... There must have just been great grace from God in Joseph's heart. I'm I'm sure he probably struggled with hurt feelings, but what we see is that every time somebody tried to beat Joseph down, there was something on the inside of him that just kept bringing him up higher. And he began to serve. And, And the Bible says the Lord was with him, and he began to serve. And he served with excellence. Joseph just had this attitude, if if they're going to make me a slave in Egypt, I'll tell you what, I'm going to be the best slave there ever was because I'm doing this for God. I, I don't, you know, to me, it's just amazing how he kept his attitude so good. And so he serves and he has favor. And the next thing you know, he's running Potiphar's house. You just can't keep a good man down. He starts at the bottom and now he's, he's in charge of Potiphar's house. And, and you, you know the story. Uh, there's a lie told against him, a false accusation made against him, and Joseph ends up in prison. I mean, it's gone from bad to worse. He, he starts as a slave. He starts to have some favor, but now he's knocked down even further, and now he's a slave in prison. But you know what, Joseph, the favor of God continued on his life. And you know what he decided? He decided if they're going to make me a slave prisoner in Egypt, I'm going to be the best slave prisoner there ever was because I'm doing this for God. And he began to say to the warden of the prison, hey, what needs to be done around here? Let me help. Let me help with different prisoners. Let me help clean up. Let me." And the Bible, he began to serve. And, and he began to have favor. And the next thing you know, the warden of the prison is saying, Joseph, I'm putting you in charge of the whole prison. You just can't keep a good man down. He's, he's helping run the prison now. 
and he interprets the dreams, you know, of the two servants of Pharaoh, and his, his interpretation comes true, and he says to these, the one guy who's going back to serve Pharaoh, hey, put in a good word for me. The guy says, sure, and then immediately forgets Joseph. Two whole years go by, two more years in prison, and Pharaoh has a dream. And that household servant said, ah, I meant to tell you, there's a guy down there, a Hebrew in prison, that God's given him the ability to interpret dreams. Uh, Joseph stands before Pharaoh, interprets Pharaoh's dream, and becomes the prime minister of the entire nation. Joseph went from the pit to the prison to the palace. That's resurrection. That's a situation that looked to be dead and dying, but because he continued to trust in his God, resurrection brought him, and, and I mean, the story is so amazing of what happened. But here's what I want you to see. You remember what Paul said? He said, I'm forgetting those things which are behind. I'm reaching forward to those things which are ahead so that I can tap into the upward call of God. Look at Genesis chapter 41 and verse 51. Joseph later got married and had two sons. And it says, and Joseph called the name of the firstborn son Manasseh, which means to forget. For God has made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. And the name of the second he called Ephraim, that means fruitful. For God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Paul had to forget what was behind him. He had to reach forward to what was ahead to tap into the upward call. Joseph named his firstborn son to forget. Every time he called him, every time he said, uh, Manasseh, it's time to eat. Manasseh, remember to clean up your room. Manasseh, we're getting ready to go down to the market. He was, he was using the word to forget, to forget, to forget. Let me tell you what, you absolutely must put your past behind you. You cannot let the past dominate your present or dictate your future. Forgetting, putting the past behind is such an important element of, of progress spiritually that Joseph named his firstborn son to forget. Because Joseph knew that in order for him to step into his destiny, he had to quit living in the past, wallowing in the past, you know, mulling over the past. He had to forget. And it was only when he forgot that he was able to have another son named to be fruitful. God is a resurrection God. God has always been bringing life out of death. He's always been bringing possibilities out of impossibilities. He's always been bringing hope out of despair. God is a God of resurrection. Jesus was raised from the dead physically. Thank God for that. We are going to be raised from the dead physically as well. We're going to get glorified, transformed bodies in the future. But in the meantime, this is what baptism speaks of. We've been called to walk in newness of life. A new life in Christ. 
How do we experience that? We forget what is behind. We reach forward to what is ahead. And we tap into the upward call of God. God is calling His people up. God never wants to beat you down over your past. God wants to lift you up to higher ways of thinking, higher ways of believing, higher relationships, higher everything. God's calling us up to live the God kind of life. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for your people in this place. And thank you, Lord, that we have new life in Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray right now that that whatever situations people are facing, that Lord, I pray that resurrection life will just permeate their thinking, their believing, their attitudes. Father, you've called us to be resurrection people. And, and, and Lord, you've not called us to be dragged down by our past, but you've called us to be liberated into a glorious future with Jesus leading the way in our lives. Father, I want to pray right now, if there are people here that, that simply don't have a relationship with you, Father, I pray that today... Thanks for listening. If you need prayer or would like to share how this message has impacted you, please email info at thecitychurch.ca.